Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Kentuckian Podcast. Enjoy. Howdy, everyone, and welcome back to the Kentuckian. Before we get started on this uh, week's episode, talking about the war between the states and the, the causes for said war, I want to address Juneteenth for just a moment before we get started. This is recorded on June 19th or Juneteenth. As you may have heard, um, Juneteenth has just this last week been signed into law as a national holiday. In case you don't know, and I would venture to guess that most people don't, Juneteenth was a term used for June 19th, 1865, when Union troops marched into Galveston, Texas. The slaves in Galveston found out about the Emancipation Proclamation, and you can probably figure out the rest from there. I believe it's a local holiday in that area. It has been for a long time. I do want to briefly address why I think the idea of making this a national holiday is is inadvisable, to put it lightly. Uh, One thing, and, and we'll talk about this more in detail later in a different episode about the war between the states, but One thing that people don't realize is the Emancipation Proclamation didn't free a single slave. It was admitted to be a political move by the Lincoln administration simply to try and keep Britain and France from supporting the Confederacy, whom they were very lenient uh, to. It had unforeseen consequences at the time, but like I said, we'll talk about that more in detail in a different episode. What I... The problem with Juneteenth, because it really... I could see it as a as a celebration for the local area because it is a historical event. It's a significant historical event. Nobody's saying that's not the case, but it is based off of ignorance, and it's a political ploy, just like the Emancipation Proclamation itself was. And that's really the thing. It was it it it's it's just politics, and it's based off of ignorance. And to make it a, a national holiday is just a political move for some extra voter points. Anyway, let's get into this week's episode. We're going to talk about whether the war was about slavery. If you remember from the last episode, which was some time ago, we talked about the Corwin Amendment. Um, The Corwin Amendment, I won't go into detail here, but it summed up the issue of whether the war was about slavery in the sense of proving that it wasn't about slavery. Um, that there's many pieces of evidence to support that, but it is the one single piece of evidence that answers that question if the war was about slavery. And the answer is a definitive no from either side, either the North, North going to war to end slavery or the South going to war to keep slavery. It's a definitive no. If you'd like to hear more de- detail on that, I would highly encourage you to go listen to that episode. But there's a lot of different evidence. There's a lot of different aspects. This is a multifaceted issue, and while in some ways it is very straightforward in in the causes and issues of the war, there are many ways that it's quite complicated. And I want to examine more the southern side of the issue, particularly from more of a military side and, and the people that actually fought. You know, what was it that the soldiers said? What about the guys that that shed their blood that actually were on the firing line? What about the officers and some of the leaders in the Confederacy. Again, this is just one aspect of a multifaceted issue, but let's jump into it. So the first point, and perhaps where we'll spend most of our time, is the idea of what the Southern soldiers actually fought for. Your average Webfoot, (laughs) that was the nickname for the infantry, the Webfeet. What was it 
that they fought for? Why did they pick up a musket or a rifle and go fight against overwhelming odds and, and, and oftentimes win in, in the face of, of monstrous amounts of, of firepower and, and men and, and still somehow come out on top to be uh, the the feats of Confederate soldiers in the war are phenomenal, and it, and it was obvious their motivation was very strong. How hard they were able to fight, how effectively they were able to fight. Now, there's a book that's called Company Eich, A Y T C H. It's a play on on Southern accent. Um, it was written by a one Samuel Rush Watkins, normally just called Sam Watkins. This is one of the first books that I ever read about the war between the states, and. And at the time when I read it, I think I was in 11th grade, if I remember correctly, it was eye-opening. Company Eich is a memoir of Sam Watkins' experiences in the war. He was from Murray County, Tennessee, and fought with the 1st Tennessee Regiment, uh, nicknamed the Murray Grays, on the side of the Confederacy, as you might have guessed. It isn't a very long book, and it's actually quite easy to read considering when it was written. And it gives a candid look into the, the war and the way Confederate soldiers experienced it. While he does talk at times about why he fights, and we'll, we'll take some passages from the book here in a moment, one thing that I've noted in reading these memoirs, and I've, I've read a few now of Confederate soldiers, is that there's never even a hint of fighting for slavery. I mean, again, this is not talking about when they specifically talk about why they enlisted or why they fought. There's, there's just not a tone or attitude that reflects that. It's it's somewhat difficult to explain without reading the books for yourselves, and I would highly recommend you, especially to read Company Eich, if you were to just read one memoir, but many of these memoirs are, are actually quite amazing books, and I would highly recommend you read some. But it's just the way that they wrote about the war, the way that they wrote about their views and the things that were going through their heads and what they were fighting for and the 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 trauma and the the horrible things and the good things that they experienced paints a much different view or picture of the cause that they were fighting for than is portrayed today. Again, that's somewhat uh, ambiguous. I realize that it is difficult to to put into words without reading the book for yourself. But there's just no sense of it. There's no indication. There's no attitude. Uh, or, or indication that that is what they thought or how they felt, right? Because wor words, written words, are hopefully somewhat communicative of emotion. Um, and it's just not there uh, of emotion and thought. And the idea that it's about slavery just isn't there. It's just not. Oh, that's hard to explain. I don't want to get too far off into the weeds with that. But, and this is going to be something... This is a quote to help illustrate that and sort of transition our thinking into, into the way they were looking at it. Um, this was from the memoir, The Footprints of a Regiment, by W.H. Andrews of the 1st Georgia Regulars. Um, and unfortunately, I have to paraphrase this because I don't have the book with me. I have read the book. It's an excellent, excellent book. But he simply stated this was very early. I think it was the first chapter because he started off with basically his enlistment. And he said, I believed in states' rights, so I enlisted. And that was like the sentence. Obviously, it's a paraphrase, but that was literally like all he said. That's why That's why I enlisted. That's why I signed up. And then he goes on and talks about his training and, and his fighting in the war. This is a statement that Sam Watkins made early in Company Eich. We only fought for our state rights, they for union and power. 
The South fell battling under the banner of state rights, but yet grand and glorious even in death. They're straightforward statements at times, at times, and it may seem like, well, that's just kind of, they're just saying that. Well, they also fought. Like their whole point in writing the memoirs is to give the experiences and, and, and their account of the war from their perspective. And they just said, yeah, we didn't do it for that. We did it for states' rights. We did it for freedom. And, and, and we'll get into some of that more as they explain more. Some of them don't go as much into like, that's why they fought was for states' rights and this whole idea. Some of them just fought. But even then, there's never a sense of, well, I enlisted because I didn't like black folks and I wanted to make sure that those that were slaves stayed slaves. There's nothing like that. It's not even indicated. It's nowhere in there. Let me read you this, this passage from Sam Watkins. Um, this is after describing the horribly bloody fights and the valiant and heroic efforts of his fellow soldiers at the Kennesaw Line and Dead Angle. Um, that was a particular um, area during a battle. Meat Grinder doesn't even begin to describe the carnage that he illustrates in, in that part of the book. It's, it's awful. It's very awful. Um, but he's also talked about the, the amazing things that his fellow soldiers did. And as he kind of sums up that, he says, I'm going to read this directly. Uh, I've quoted this directly from the book. Reader mine, I fear that I have wearied you with too long a description of the Battle of Dead Angle. If so, please pardon me, as this is but a sample of the others which will now follow each other in rapid succession. And furthermore, if stating the above facts, the half has not been told. But it will give you a faint idea of the hard battles and privations and hardships of the soldiers in that stormy epic. Who died, grandly, gloriously, nobly, dying the soil of old Mother Earth and enriching the same with their crimson life's blood, while doing what? Only trying to protect their homes and families, their property, their constitution, and their laws that had been guaranteed to them as a heritage forever by their forefathers. They died for the faith that each state was a separate sovereign government as laid down by the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of our Fathers. Just let that sink in for a second. It's just an average soldier, just a, just a private in the 1st Tennessee Infantry. On the 1st Tennessee's return to their home of Murray County during the war, late in the war, Sam writes in his memoir again, on every battlefield, the flag that you entrusted to our hands, and he's writing this to the citizens of Murray County as sort of a, uh, a questioning to them. On every battlefield, the flag that you entrusted to our hands has been borne aloft by brave and heroic men amid shot and shell, bloody battle and death. We have never forsaken our colors. Are we wor worthy to be called the sons of old Murray County or have we fought in vain? Have our efforts been appreciated or have four years of our lives been wasted while we were battling for constitutional government, the supremacy of our laws over centralization and our own rights as guaranteed to us by the blood of our forefathers on the battlefields of the revolution? Sam Watkins put so eloquently what most of those soldiers were fighting for, fighting for their homes, for 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 the for self-determination the ability of self-governance the idea that your vote means something the very things that our forefathers died for on the battlefields of the revolution as he put 
Here's one more passage from the end of Company H. This is as Sam Watkins is summing up. Uh, it's after he's he's recounted the surrender, and he's he's really kind of wrapping up his thoughts and and sort of his his feelings on the war and looking back at them as he's been writing the memoir and 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 everything that he experienced and the the surrealness of it at times. He's he wrote it about 20 years after the war, and and now he's a much different man. Of course, he's older. He has a family. But as he as he's summing up, he, he says this. The bones of our brave southern boys lie scattered over our loved south. They fought for their country and gave their lives freely for that country's cause. And now they who survive sit, like Marius amid the wreck of Carthage, sublime even in ruins. You'll see this thread in many, if not all, memoirs of southern soldiers even if they weren't as perhaps devoted to the cause as Sam Watkins and many of his brethren, even if they just fought, it was never an indication it was about slavery. And many of them said the very same things that Sam Watkins did, albeit Sam Watkins may have said them a bit more eloquently than some. Could there have been an occasional soldier, Confederate soldier that fought to preserve slavery? Perhaps, though I have not found him yet. To help illustrate the, the whole attitude of the time, there's another story from uh, Footprints of a Regiment that unfortunately I must tell from memory. Again, I don't have the book with me. But W.H. Andrews, the author, was was uh, after a battle, was talking to a wounded Yankee soldier, and he said that you all are fighting to free the slaves. And the Yankee soldier responded that if he would, he would leave the army right now and never fight for the United States. It was simply a fact that the average Confederate soldier was not fighting for slavery. For that matter, the average Union soldier wasn't fighting uh, to free slaves either. But that's a topic for another time. What about the Confederate officers? What about some of the guys that, that were in charge of, the, of these great armies and these battles? Well, considering what we've already discussed, you may well guess their feelings on the issue. But here are a few quotes nonetheless. This is from Robert Edward Lee, Robert E. Lee. This is a quote from him. The war is not about slavery. That's it. That's the quote. Uh, I might mention Robert E. Lee was also one of the strongest proponents of allowing blacks to volunteer in the Confederate Army. Um, many, many thousands of black Confederate ac volunteers actually served um, on the side of the Confederacy, but oftentimes it was unofficial or it was kind of weird the way it was it was documented. But, uh, but there were many um, black Confederates just not necessarily officially enrolled on in the Confederate Army. Here's another quote from Robert E. Lee. The South is contended only for the supremacy of the Constitution and the just administration of the laws made in pursuance to it. Here's a quote from Thomas Stonewall Jackson, as many people may have heard of him. The patriot volunteer fighting for his country and his rights makes the most reliable soldier on earth. And many Confederate soldiers did, as you may have picked up that uh, thread from Sam Watkins and the, the quotes that I read you from his memoir. This is from General Richard Taylor, who was son of U.S. President Zachary Taylor, in referring to the people of the Confederacy and why they fought. Struggled in all honorable ways. And for what? For their slaves? Regret for their loss has neither been felt nor expressed, but they have striven for that which brought our forefathers to Runnymede, the privilege of exercising some influence in their own government. He goes on to add, Yet we fought for nothing but slavery, says the world, and the late vice president of the Confederacy, Mr. Alexander Stevens, re-echoes the cry, declaring that it was the cornerstone of his government, 
General Richard Taylor, Confederate general that fought. This was after the war. He was talking about it, if I understand correctly. They were fighting for the privilege of exercising some influence in their own government. And people have, and he's being sarcastic or facetious, people have the nerve to say that we fought for nothing but slavery. And then he references um, Alexander Stevens' cornerstone speech, interestingly enough. Uh, one of the only relatively substantial arguments, and I use that term lightly, but at least it is an attempt to be somewhat scholarly in arguing that the Confederacy did fight for slavery, is where people bring up a quote from Alexander Stevens' speech, called, often called the Cornerstone Speech. Uh, and he basically said that it, the quote basically says that the Confederacy is founded on the idea that, that black men should be slaves. That's a paraphrase, but that's basically um, what he said in the quote. Now, I'm studying it, and I'm going, or I'm going to study it more. I've studied it some. That really isn't the point he was making. Although I'm not saying he was right, um, but it still is probably a misunderstanding of what he was getting at, even if it is wrong. But the thing is, this argument still just boils down to: see, see, the the Confederate vice president said it was about slavery, so it must be true. I've literally seen that argument made. Well, the, the vice president said it, so that answers the issue. Well, we also saw a quote from Robert E. Lee that he said the exact opposite. A lot of Southerners said the exact opposite. We talked about the Corwin Amendment, where in action they did the exact opposite. That's obviously not what it was about. I don't want to spend too much time on that. Uh, we'll probably have a whole entire episode on the Cornerstone speech eventually. But they take the words of one man and ignore quite literally the words of everyone else. That, I mean, that that is what it is. I, I know I've had people ask me about that before, uh, about the Cornerstone speech and what Stephen said. But again, it was the words of one man. That was not both the actions and the words of most all of almost all Southerners showed that that was not true. That what he said wasn't true. And like I said, the actual point he was making is usually lost in that quote, even if it was still wrong. Now, I want to talk for just a, a, a few moments. Um, I want to mention a couple of the points that Jefferson Davis, who was the president of the Confederacy, a native Kentuckian, I might add as well, um, in his work, The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government. Now, I've not even finished this book. It, it, is a, it is a long book, and it is somewhat deep reading, um, but it is something that you know, what I've read of it is, is, is mind-blowing. It's something that every American, and particularly every Southerner, should be familiar with. The work is done by Jefferson Davis in an attempt to vindicate the cause for which so many men, so many of his countrymen fought and died. Uh, he wishes to put the causes and the buildup to the war to writing, um, the arguments for the South's actions to writing, and for a less biased generation to examine it, um, not the generation that fought the war, but those that would come later that would hopefully give it a fair hearing. Unfortunately, the fair hearing is, uh, <laughs> that that hasn't worked out real well great unfortunately um, and we're trying to uh, kind of undo some of that damage he doesn't just make statements uh, he, he recognized already later in his life that there was a lot of attempts to, to to slander the south to to say that it was about slavery to try and cut down their cut down them because of why someone else some yankee or some foreigner claimed they fought the war but he doesn't just make statements about 
why we did this or why we did that. He meticulously backs up his arguments and his statements. I, I mean meticulously. He has all sorts of, of sources. A lot of his stuff are congressional records of, of the stuff that that congressmen had voted and voted on and debated on, that sort of thing. It may be a difficult read. I realize some people, it, 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 it is, he has a very extensive vocabulary. You might have a little bit of a hard time with it, but it is vital to understanding the cause of the Confederacy and, quite frankly, even the Constitution in relation to these issues. We don't have time to go into detail on this work, but I want to pick out a couple key passages to leave you with for today. And these are all early quotes, to, to be clear. Um, he stated, and this was actually in the preface, that he wrote, he stated that the motivations for the eventual war was to preserve a sectional equilibrium and to maintain the equality of the states was the effort on one side. To acquire empire was the manifest purpose of the other. This is the, the first thing that he wrote. I believe it was in the introduction. It's weird. He had a preface and an introduction, and then he kind of jumped in. Um, it might throw you off at first, but it makes sense if you read it. This is what he said. A duty to my countrymen, to the memory of those who died in defense of a cause consecrated by inheritance, as well as sustained by conviction, and to those who, perhaps less fortunate, staked all and lost all save life and honor in its behalf, has impelled me to attempt vindication of their cause and conduct. For this purpose... I have decided to present an historical sketch of the events which preceded and attended the struggle of the southern states to maintain their existence and their rights as sovereign communities, the creators, not the creatures, of the general government. And general government at the time basically refers to the federal government. What he says there is he believes that he has a duty to his countrymen, to those that died and even those that survived but lost everything, to vindicate their cause and the actions that they took to vindicate the fact that they decided to take a stand for self-governance, for the ability to choose the form of government that men would be under. To not have some faraway tyrant decide what to do for them, to have representative government, and the fact that the general government, the federal government, was a creature, not a creator of the separate states. You get in the idea of state sovereignty. Again, we don't have time to go into it in detail, but that's what he's saying. That's what he's trying to defend. And one more statement, and this is when he really starts to get into the meat of the, the material that he talks about. This is in reference to American slavery and questions related to or points related or connected to it. So he's not saying that it's about slavery, but because it has become such a political issue, and at the time, even before the war, was used as a political prop, even if that wasn't the issue, there were a lot of arguments made um, trying to, to slander the South or say this was about slavery or that was about slavery. And it was a, a crazy time. And so he, he, he tries to address that general idea and the general problems, questions, points that could be made uh, related to it. And this is what he said. It is important that the reader should have at the very outset a right understanding of the true nature and character of those questions, questions and points related to slavery, uh, as I mentioned. No subject has been more generally misunderstood or more persistently misrepresented. The institution itself has ceased to exist in the United States. The generation, 
comprising all who took part in the controversies to which it gave rise or for which it afforded pretext, is passing away. The misconceptions which have prevailed in our own country, and still more among foreigners remote from the field of contention, are likely to be perpetuated in the mind of posterity unless corrected before they become crystallized by tacit acquiescence. He said, you have to understand the nature of these questions, whether they were direct questions related to problems that arose at the time before and during the war, or political issues that were using slavery or questions related to it as a prop to get political points. You have to understand it. We have to, to truly understand the nature of those things because misconceptions were already being spread. So many people already misunderstood it, and it would only get worse over time. Unfortunately, it has gotten worse over time and has become crystallized by tacit acquiescence by a lack of fighting off those misconceptions. The misconception has become to, has come to be accepted as the truth for many people. So like I mentioned earlier, we're now trying to undo some of the damage. This is a widely misunderstood issue, but why does it matter? So the war wasn't about slavery. So what? Well, as you may have started to pick up, and we will start to examine in more detail as we, we address this topic more and more, the Southern cause, the cause of the Confederacy was the American cause. It was the same thing our forefathers fought Great Britain for. It's the cause of freedom. The reason it matters is because it colors our view of the United States today and what ways are appropriate to deal with tyranny, oppression, and other problems that stem mainly from the government. It is key to understand how we've gotten to where we are at today and what we can do about it. Then why have we been told different for so long, you might ask? Well, I would add that I think there are more people that realize the truth than you may think, particularly in the South, but I think it is a valid question as well. Why, why have we been told different so long? Why have we been lied to for so long? I think there's many reasons that such min, must, misinformation was and is spread. The implications of the truth are troubling to any patriotic American. They're inconvenient for those that wish to do nothing, but perhaps most importantly, the one entity that has spread those lies since before the war was even over, the federal government, has the most to lose from people knowing the truth. I hope that you found this episode interesting, helpful, and maybe even eye-opening. There's a reason that I'm so passionate about this subject, and perhaps you understand better why Confederate statues matter, why the history matters, why people care about the Confederacy, why the truth matters. That's what we're talking about. Are we going to believe truth, or are we going to believe a lie? And how does that affect our lives? Get out there and share this podcast. Talk to others. You can listen to more episodes. Like I said, I've done one on the Corwin Amendment that addresses the, the slavery issue more specifically um, and really sums it up quite nicely, actually. There's so much that you can do to help with this podcast to make a difference in, in, in the world in general. I have, an I have a couple episodes, one episode in particular on that, things you can do to make a difference. If you'd like to help me out, uh, help the Kentuckian out in a more personal way, my Patreon is linked in the description below. Don't forget the new Facebook and Instagram pages that the Kentuckian has. Um, give those a like and follow to stay up to date with new developments for the Kentuckian, and uh, those links will be in the description as well. And as always, my friends, as long as remember that as long as you and I are doing the right thing, 
we will make a difference in this old world. The Kentuckian, trying to make a difference one person at a time.